Hello, this is Pam Electric Ghost, and we have, uh, do you pronounce it Cora, or how, how do you pronounce your stage name? Yeah, it's Cora. It's perfect. Okay, great. Sorry about the time conversion. It must have been off, because we have, like, daylight savings, so maybe that threw it off. No, I literally don't have any problem. I just got back from the gym, and I'm ready. <laughs> okay, great. So I was um, looking at your Spotify, and a yeah. bunch of your tracks, and I was going to I talk about that, but I'll start with the questions. Of so, course. But I'll just give a little intro. So this is Family Electric Ghost. I have this podcast. I've had it for two years. We've interviewed over 40 artists worldwide. Uh, we're part of Spotify. Okay. And we have over 21,000 listens since 2018. Okay. So, Amazing. Um, so we just like to interview uh, indie artists from around the world. We've interviewed uh, musicians, actors, producers, you know, graphic artists every type of uh, person that's into art. Okay. So the first thing we like to do is go through the questions that we like to ask. So one of the first questions is like, when did you first get into music and at what age? So literally, my mother told me she put a violin in my hands when I was one year and a half. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I actually started. But then I think I became like efficient at maybe two or three years because. Were your parents uh, musicians? Not at all. Like, well, my father plays a bit of guitar and sh he really taught me what rock is. And that's why I have this rock atmosphere in my music. But they are not like professional musicians or anything. My mother doesn't really play anything. Mm -hmm. So what's your primary instrument as a musician? So I played the violin for 15 years. I played uh, a lot in... Uh, with, with an orchestra as well. And we made so many concerts in Argentina. We played on the TV. So my main, like, I'm more comfortable with violin. But then I, I also learned, like, piano for five years when I was young. So I can't, I can't really compose with piano if I, if I wish. And I played the guitar, but mainly for composing as well. But I can play if I want. But my main instrument is, like, violin. That's interesting. That's cool because, like, most of the artists I talk to are, like, piano or a guitar, but yeah. a classically trained yeah. artist is interesting because that gives you some different dynamics in your music. Yeah, I think it really changed like my approach to music. Like I don't see notes as notes, but when I listen to music, I, I, I hear the, the notes. I don't know. I, I hear like me or Re, you know what I mean? Like it's really, really different. Yeah. And yeah. I have, yeah. So this... That's interesting. I've heard people talk about uh, music as um, like sound paintings like that that term was brought up by Jimi hendrix back in 1968 to okay. describe electric ladyland and they asked him like what were all these weird sounds because he had like very atmospheric sounds for a guitar player he had like seagulls and weird white noise and things there were like provocative <laughs> like cosmic things and they asked him what did it mean he said well it's a sound painting yeah, I think that's a good way. I've talked to musicians, a lot of musicians, and sometimes they'll describe their their music in terms of like yeah. like painting, which is interesting. It is indeed. So how 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 you've been working on music since you were like two years old, <laughs> since you were given <laughs> given your violin? No, I mean uh, it's really so. Um, I started with my violin doing the Suzuki method. I don't know if you heard about it. So there are books and you improve your level. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, my last class, I live now in Paris and I was having classes in Argentina. And now I stopped. And my last class, I was playing like Vivaldi and Bach 
okay. a concert for two violins. So awesome. that was my, my last level. But um, then I started with piano, like as well, like little songs there and there. And then guitar was more like a, a teenager dream. Like I went to this professor after seeing uh, some Lindsay Lohan movie where she played the guitar and it was like, I want to play, I want to play uh, Eric Clapton, I want to play mm-hmm. uh, Slash uh, solo. So I started with guitar, electric and acoustic and uh, singing. I, I sang for 15 years. I always loved to sing. And uh, I was actually singing not too bad. So I was motivated by my by my parents and friends. So that's how I started working. But if you meant professionally, like creating music. Yeah, I guess like when did you actually decide that you had the talent and you were going to write your own material? <laughs> because a lot of people, so... like a classical musician, you'll play like Bach, you'll play Beethoven, you'll play like in a, in a, in a concert level, but it's not your own material. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, which so is when really did you funny. decide you were going to actually go into like indie music and write your own material? Yeah, so I have a, a long answer and a short answer. <laughs> you want the long answer? You can do both. We we can talk. Okay, okay. So um, I I always I always thought I was never gonna be able to compose. Like I saw this as a big, really like talent that few people had, and I was like, damn, I planned so many things and I think, but I'm I'm just not able. And um, then I was uh, interning for BMP Paribas, so. For an intern, the salary is like quite high, right? Mm-hmm. So I was going to every concert I loved. And uh, I felt so bad not being on stage. I was like, Jesus, that's what I loved most. And, you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's a kind of pain. I didn't experiment anywhere else. Like not getting a job into Goldman Sachs, I don't care. Like it's not a problem. Or <laughs> not getting into, I don't know, Dior, okay, it's fine. But I, I was so painful when I was on the public I was like, okay, I'm just going to try because nowadays like it's easier for musicians to get there and uh, I will just try. And that's how I did my first song. And then my mother, I sent to my mother a vocal like, ah, look at this, I'm just playing around. And she was like, Jesus, like I will show it to, um, she has a friend who has a studio in Argentina, a friend from childhood, like nothing professional. And, and he was like, listen, this is not bad at all. So when I went to Argentina, visit my family, mm-hmm. thanks to that guy who saw me, like he decided to produce me and I made, I made my first EP, which is the rock one, who is in Spotify right now. Which one is that? Is that- like, um, so the, the one who has my picture, like the, the main picture who is like in almost all the tracks, but off. Like in all the songs, but off are my first um, so, yeah, Argentinian like, made. Yeah, uh, so you have like off, worry doll, Pandora's box, Rambo's yeah, heart, exactly. my dark room. Exactly, the ones that have the the same picture. Okay, those are the ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what was interesting is I was going to ask you your influences, but I was going to point out what I hear in some of these songs. I hear like I don't know if you know Julianne Hatfield, Liz Fair. Okay. Uh, I hear like you know the singer, female singer, indie songwriters like uh, you know Lana Del Rey. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you know bits and pieces of you know Best Coast. Um, so it's interesting because like one of your songs had kind of a, like a synth kind of pad that was really interesting, and then the other ones are more rock, like yeah. rock more like Juliana and um exactly and uh, Lana Del Rey, and that's interesting because you had that kind of orchestral synth like pad on one oh. of the songs and then you had this kind of like Lana Del Rey vibe on some of the other <laughs> ones and then you have an acoustic, a couple of acoustic songs they're kind of yeah. like, like Liz Fair 
or Juliana yeah. Hatfield. Um, and that's really cool because I, I really like indie uh, female songwriters. And I think they're really coming up nowadays. Um, and it's interesting that, that you're doing like the guitar work, which I think is more um, when a, when the singer songwriter writes on a guitar or plays a guitar, it's very like, uh, you know, you get a, into a window into their kind of soul as a musician. Yeah, yeah. So I think it makes it more vulnerable. Yeah. It, it makes it like there's less produced, but there's a lot more like emotional impact. That's yeah, what... I agree with that. That's I. It's not a problem, but it's kind of an issue I face because since I write with my guitar, it's like it's literally like a bit less produced or less instruments and I had this problem with the producer I was like no don't add anything you know yeah it's just like pure and sad but it is like like I felt it but now I'm trying to go I mean I'm still composing with the guitar but my new songs have like a guitar bass and I, I have like a beat maker now and he makes it more electro okay. but it's still being created with the guitar because I don't want to lose that but right. yeah I think that, yeah. that really because a lot of music today I think some of it they go into the digital audio workstations and they kind of overproduce. Exactly. And yeah, it's like they yeah. kind of lost the, the art of like one of the great songwriting talents is the use of <clears throat> open space. Yeah. You know, if you listen to some of the great songs that were produced over the last like 40 years, the ones that actually don't have, they leave some room. You know, mm -hmm. I was listening to like Roger Waters was interviewed. Yeah, oh my God, I love He was him. interviewed and they, he said like one of the key things he tells any musician he ever talks to is like leave enough space Yeah. yeah. in your song so you can have, you know, the kind of people can have this, you know, it, 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 I think. Trip. It gives, yeah, I think, but also it's like you got to have be confident in your music to leave. The yeah. Space. Because if you're not confident, then sometimes you fill the space. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you feel like a little insecure. Um. And then your playing has to be more accurate and you have to be kind of dead on when you leave mm -hmm. space. But um, yeah, I think it's just more uh, like powerful when you do that. You know, like I like the track yeah. you have there, like come from that direction. Thanks. So then the next <laughs> question would be like, well, who are your influences? In yeah. So uh, you said Roger Waters. I obviously love Pink Floyd. Like my father is a huge fan and he showed me like the wall when I was six. So you can imagine I know them very well. Yeah. Uh, I saw them in concerts lots of times. Then I'm really, really into rock. Like my favorite band uh, of the whole earth is Muse. I really follow them. I saw their concerts. I'm a really, really huge fan. Like Bliss was one of my anthems. Mm -hmm. uh, then I, I like Lana Del Rey a lot. Like I think like Summertime Sadness. And she's a really, really, really good creator. Like mm -hmm. I worship her. Um, then Nirvana is a must. Oh, Kurt Cobain. Uh, yeah, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Amy Winehouse. Uh, uh, Carney Fox. Uh, Carney Love, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, the Strokes, The Smith. I really like The Smith. Okay. Um, you you see what which kind of band like Gorillas, Jesus Gorillas. Oh yeah, God. yeah. I mean, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very inspired by Gorillas with my own band because my band oh is, my a, is a collection is a is a made up band of characters. Yeah. You know, Josephine oh. Elect Josephine Electric is my alter ego. Is a, okay. I, I created like a female lead singer using a Roland Voicoder. So I, I use like a VT4 vocal transformer, and I created. Joe oh. Electric is my alter ego, and she's the lead singer of a That's band so cool. full of ghosts. So yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Like, so her sister's in the band, she's in oh the band, God. and then I'm in a band. They're, they're all like my daughter's an artist, and we're drawing characters to kind of match 
Uh, it's um, awesome. It's yeah, awesome. so it's going to be some animation stuff we're working on. But um, yeah, so we always like, I always like um, conceptual music, like what, mm. Bowie, what Bowie used to do with Ziggy, uh, yeah. like Pink Floyd, uh, The Who yeah. with like Tommy and Quadrophenia. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a synth guy. So I was listening <laughs> to guys like, you know, Keith Emerson, um, you know, the, the, the Yes, like I mentioned. And, um, you know, anybody uses like, uh, you know, synth wave. So the Cure. You know, Bauhaus, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff that's like analog. I'm very yeah. much an analog guy. I have like modes, yeah. profits, just because I think some of the the soft sense today have uh, kind of people don't really realize that original electronic musicians, you know, like Keith Emerson, yeah, you know, guys like Roger Walters, they used like very elaborate analog sense that yeah. has character, and some of the digitals don't have the character in those analog. Um, so I'm kind of a big proponent of using, you know, like a Hammond organ or, or using like a Moog mini Moog or a Prophet mm-hmm. five. Cause I think those instruments like are, are evocative. They're, they're, they're like used on Les Paul or like a Stratocaster or something. I think it just gives you more emotional impact if you use an, an analog synth rather than some kind of soft synth, um, mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, it's really interesting, and it's true that it adds something like definitely more like special, for maybe. Yeah, well, no. if you're an electronic musician and you're trying to be evocative and show emotion, like a Moog can show a lot of emotion. You can do yeah. a lot with it. Um, a Hammond B3 can do a lot, you know. So, so mm-hmm. if you if you're using instruments like that, then you can really show emotion. And the keyboardist sometimes, you know, in today's world, if you're using a laptop and a MIDI keyboard. It's kind of hard to actually display the emotion that somebody does on a acoustic yeah, guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, so if you were gonna describe your writing style or genre, what would you what would you put it in? Would you know like dark pop, uh, indie, <laughs> alternative? What what would be your description of your genre? I think for now my project is like uh, dark pop, as you said, or like maybe some. Uh, acoustic rock but yeah. as as I mentioned before we're going more into maybe pop and uh, synth wave, maybe some synth wave like uh, or uh, yeah, like electronica electronica maybe mm, not quite like not, I'm, not EDM I, not techno or trans yeah uh, I, I might like rap a bit or you know like or do a bit uh, hip hop with oh, little hip hop okay yeah well I think it's cross genre is really interesting because if you look at hip hop hip hop pulls from jazz they pull from rock yeah yeah they, exactly they, mm. so hip hop is kind of wide open you get a guy like Kendrick Kendrick Kendrick, Kendrick Omar and he's mm-hmm. got like jazz bass players and jazz yeah bass playing on his music and he's taking samples of obscure soul records from the 70s Mm, mm, mm. and so then you get a lot of cross genre yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to do i don't want to be fixed in a gender actually like i have so many inspirations and i don't want to like i just when i create i don't i don't really choose a gender i just have this melody and then i sing on it yeah so you just let the song kind of go where it's gonna go you don't say well i'm gonna make a a trap hit i'm gonna make an edm hit you make you make what it is, and then you find out okay, well, there's other things. Like yeah, that. exactly. Um, maybe they say like you could like like because I have a little team, and maybe they say um, you could sing faster, you know, or change this. But well, uh, for the context, so um, this first EP I have, I did it on my own. But now now I have a team. 
So, oh, so you're working with like a producer and it has yeah, a, has yeah, a studio? Yeah, a studio well, and how, how uh, sound work? engineer. Do you send the demo or do you physically go to the studio and work with the producer? Uh, so uh, I go, this is like, so I have a manager and uh, a, um, an artistic director. It's like an independent li- label. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go to the studio, I send the track, but uh, I trained before. So I just go and sing and uh, mm-hmm. They, we record it live. Uh, That's cool. So then, they, then the producer will decide if they want to throw other instruments on, or uh, not really. Like um, I'm really picky. I'm really uh, hard with the instrumentals. So I send my melody. Okay. Then they they put it on electronic, and I, I say if they have to change something. Uh, but when I go to the studio, uh, the instrumental is not uh, meant to change. Cool. So you I, don't you don't let the producer go and put other stuff in you you keep your original you you're playing all your parts i guess the question is as are some artists will bring a demo and then let the producer like actually like change it or do it with their you know their own instruments oh uh well to play uh, and the, the connection got lost a bit, so okay. I didn't okay. hear the last. Okay. I guess my question is: some artist I was talking to an artist that like he was a, he's a keyboard player. He uses a MIDI keyboard. He brings it to his producer, and the producer okay. would go and take the MIDI and then run it through a different machine, or actually change the the actual composition. Okay, um, yeah, for my EP, that's what happened. Uh, there were uh, musicians maybe that will uh, uh, take something to the song, like in Poison. There's a piano. Yeah. So I wasn't, uh, I didn't know the piano will be there. Like my producer proposed it. And uh, then I saw the result. I was like, that's cool. Okay. So yeah, for my actual music, it happened. Now I'm more into like the track is done. And that's how it's meant to stay. Unless mm-hmm. my producer says like, we should change it. And, but normally that. when I'm in the studio, <laughs> it's, it's, it's done. So, so you're the guitar playing, that's you playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Some artists will do that and then they're like, okay, I'll go let a session musician go in and actually really do it. But um Yeah. But you know, singer songwriters uh who are really like into their have their vision, it's hard to get other people mm. to get your exact vision. You know, unless you agree yeah. with their interpretation. Yeah. So you, yeah. you have to agree with their interpretation of a studio musician to like let it be on the track. But um yeah, it's interesting. I, yeah, it's really hard to 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 do that, and but sometimes it's work. It works really fine. Like for Worry Doll, yeah, the the bass was added after I like I, I left Argentina to come back to Paris, mm-hmm. and the bass was added after, and uh, it, I I really think it looks cool and that it gives something else to the song that wasn't there. So, but yeah, it's hard to say like, okay, I give you a free pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm real, like, I have my own studio, and I, do, I, I have all these, like, analog synths. And the thing about analog synths is mm-hmm. I'm not sending many signals. I'm actually taking it straight to, like, tape. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to have that exact thing reproduced by another musician. Mm-hmm. And so, and, like, I, agree. I, I do have things that are on sequencers that are MIDI that they could take. But when I have my Moogs or my Hammonds and stuff, I don't really want somebody rewriting that. Yeah, 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 yeah. understand. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. So if, if you were going to say like where you're actually based out of, would I say you're like a, a, a French musician or would you rather be tagged as a, an Argentina, Argentine oh, musician? Well, I'm, 
I'm not really, uh, my nationality is Milan, and uh, when I was in Argentina, I studied in a French school, so I I like to think of myself as a, an international musician, because okay. I sing in Spanish, English, French, Okay. but then uh, I'm obviously targeting the French market at the moment, but for instance, like I met this producer from the United States, and he sent me a track, and I'm working with him right now, and he will be on my new EP, like an okay. important part of my EP, so I don't even if uh, I am in France and uh, I like to be in the French market, most of all, because I plan to stay here for now, um, I don't like, yeah, I, I wouldn't tag myself at all. But... Okay. So I can say you're an international singer songwriter. Yeah, I mean, That's but yeah, I, I did that. Uh, sorry? That's probably a good approach to say you're an international singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just that. Well, when we when we tag our podcast, we like to kind of. Some people will say, "Well, well, I'm a Seattle musician, oh. or I'm a musician from Los Angeles." So this, so somebody say Los Angeles singer songwriter. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you contact Paris then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, work, I started here. My team is here, and mm-hmm. uh, but I I have a collaboration with the uh, United States, and and I mean, I did a featuring with uh, Maxi Druso, who's a an Argentinian like kind of big musician so oh, cool. i don't really stay only in france no it's it's a it's, it's wide open today man I've actually yeah collaborated with the, like artists in denmark mm-hmm. collaborated with artists in los angeles and Canada. yeah so you like you never know who you're gonna work with it's uh, so amazing like, yeah yeah man. It can be done in your place like yeah i'm <laughs> actually doing like i do this podcast but our next phase is uh and next year we're going to do some Facebook live concerts and I've got two, two bands that were on the show. One, from, so cool. one from Sweden and one from Atlanta, Georgia. And they were, <laughs> I've got like them booked to do like each of them are going to do like a, like an acoustic kind of unplugged concert from their home studio. And then we're going to put it on Facebook live on my channel. That's at, so cool. Electric Ghost. And then I'm going to do a show like, so everybody's going to do 20 minutes from their home studio. Okay. And the idea is like we're trying to get a lot of the artists that have been on the show to do that in 2020. We're trying to set that up, but um, yeah, this is something we're doing on top of the podcast. But it's really okay. cool today that you can do that. That the fact you know, I know, right? Yeah, like... I'm talking to international people through a cell phone. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's amazing. And it's then amazing. we're able to get it out there on Spotify and Apple and yeah, Google yeah, yeah. Play. And it, what we like to do is like we started this show because there are some people out there in the podcast world that actually make you pay like a hundred or two hundred dollars to, mm. to get an interview and we're like yeah. well we think you know i'm a musician and i just want to go and interview artists because i like artists and i end up getting paid mm-hmm. through the back end because i have sponsors so it's like a yeah, like radio yeah, exactly. so i'm like so i don't think you should charge artists that kind of money exactly yeah no should, i completely agree i think you should just interview them like a radio station or something and just do it um because that's what we've been doing and it's it's just really cool because you get to talk to people like yourself there. You know, you're, you're the first musician I've talked to. I've been wanting to talk to somebody that has a classical background. And, and uh, <laughs> cool. you're the first one. I've actually, like, approached some violinist and some actual pianist who are in the classical mm-hmm. genre. But they, I guess they weren't really into, like, the podcast world. They hadn't kind of figured okay. out they, that they wanted to be involved in that. So it's, I'm really happy that you came on the show because you're, you're, I mean, you're kind of cross genre. You're doing a lot of things. But um, I'm really happy you invited me. It's an honor. My first interview as an artist, actually, like as a singer, because in the violin I had interviews. But yeah, different. My first, my first as a, um, as a, <laughs> a scorer. Yeah, as a scorer. So, so when you um, 
when you think about the future of music, like you were talking about, you know, maybe bringing some hip hop elements, you really, do you really see the future as this more cross genre mixing of, um, you know, different styles? Do you think that's the future of like music today? So I think the f- I have um, not a negative, but a sad, a bit of a sad uh, vision of the future of music. I believe that um, instruments are disappearing. Yeah. Generally, like yeah. for the tubes at least, like five, five, top five uh, songs. I don't believe like anyone played any instrument on them. Then it's legit because they're really good songs. Sorry, uh, the connection is um, the connection is bad. Yeah, I came back, but um. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I totally agree because I've been talking to a lot. Of, I talk to a lot of indie musicians that actually are musicians, and, <laughs> and, I, and I, I I do talk to DJs. And yeah. electronic artists, but I kind of stress that I, my preference is always to talk to musicians because I think it's kind of like a dying thing. Um, because you know, people can get into Pro Tools on their Mac, yeah, and they can go and write something, but they're not necessarily trained as a musician, and, yeah. and they can make something that has a hook, and they they're a producer and they can actually create music. So it's not that they can't create music, but yeah, yeah. But I was all I'm, I'm you know I'm trained on you know clarinet, keyboards, pianos. Yeah. And I just think the musicians should, people need to understand that music is created by musicians primarily. Yeah, exactly. And there's exactly. something about seeing somebody play a piano live or playing, uh, you know, a cello or a violin, mm-hmm. you know, somebody playing a mode. Like my idea of electronic music when I talk to people, um, you know, like original electronic music came from these modes and the, the Prophet yeah. Fives and the, you know, DX7s and, CX um, um, 80 CS 80s is these are our instruments you know Stevie Wonder yeah. created like songs in the key of life on the dream machine which is like a CX one which was mm-hmm. an amazing like he was like a three hundred thousand dollar machine he had <sighs> he had three tiers it was fully analog polyphonic he had like 22 foot pedals he had a knee control he had all this expressive capability and that's why he was able to create some of the songs that are on songs of key of life and that's like one of the first polyphonic synths so he can mm-hmm. actually do like string arrangements. Okay. So at least, yeah, like in Village Ghetto Land and songs like that, they have this really heavy, like the, the really interesting synth, kind of classically inspired synth, because he can play chords. And up till mm-hmm. then, synthesizers could only do like monophonic notes. Okay. You get the CS1, you get the first, like one of the first polyphonic synthesizers that allows you to be expressive, but it wasn't digital, it was analog. Yeah, so it had this yeah. kind of like Hammond B3 capability, but it could do all kinds of weird sounds. Yeah. And that's why I think people with electronic music have kind of forgotten that you know, yeah, somebody that can play a polyphonic synth or, or, or a monophonic like bass solo on a mini Moog, that, that there's something about doing that versus somebody on a grid popping notes and, and beats from a soft synth. Not that they yeah. can't do it, but it, sometimes it doesn't have the life I know, right? And sometimes, but I have nothing against them because I really understand, like, it's really political because not everyone had the chance. Like, I went to conservatories. I had a private yeah, professor, yeah, you know? I have the instruments. I have my parents who had the culture. And I understand not everyone. And I'm happy that people can now, like, just with the computer. But then when I see, like, I have a lot of friends who do that and they're like, they press a button and your melody completely changes and there's a lot of harmonies. I'm like, Man, I'm actually 
thinking about the harmonies and creating them, and they just push a button. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is I think they kind of lose. Like, I, I don't have people that say, well, I can't afford an instrument. That's fine. But once you get successful and you do have the money, oh, yeah, yeah. Then, then I that's do, another then thing. Then I have a whole argument is, okay, then it's yeah. kind of, your argument about how you didn't have the money, that doesn't hold water anymore. I know. And then yeah, my yeah. whole thing is, like, when you go to a show, you just see somebody pushing a button and jumping up and down. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. to me, as a musician, I like to go and see a guy like a Greg Allman on a Hammond B3. Or I want of to course. see an Eric Clapton. Or I want to see a Bernie Worrell from, like, Funkadelic actually playing a mini mode. Or, you know, like a Keith Townsend, you know, playing, you know, writing, you know, do, doing what they, what they do. And it's yeah, something yeah, about yeah. a live musician. I understand the crowd that doesn't care about that and just like to be. Um, but, but there is still a place for musicians. And I would say the one thing I'm heartened by is like companies like Moog had died and, and they yeah. come back and they, yeah. they're producing like instruments that are very high level. Uh, you know, Profit came back. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of these companies came back from the death because a lot of there are, you know, in certain genres like Euro, rack modular synth wave mm. artist you know got bands like churches maybe they're playing juno 106s you know they're yeah, they're yeah, actually yeah. putting taking old you know rollins from the 80s and putting them on mm-hmm. stage and using them um and you got bands you know like wilco and radiohead that still do progressive yeah. electronic music but um yeah there is a, in the top 10 you don't see that as much you know you see the some yeah. bands are like in the bottom 100 that are doing, yeah, still, exactly, do, still yeah. doing, you know, they're not as popular. And I yeah, think that's sad yeah. to not have the popularity, but you're hoping like, an, you know, Kurt Cobain came out of, the, out of an age where the music had kind of been going that way. And then he brought yeah. grunge was like a new yeah. version of punk. So yeah. I always think that that kind of thing can happen in music. And then that will bring musicians back into it. Yeah, I'm really hoping, like, like fashion, you know, like now we are wearing what was worn in the 70s, for instance. Like, I really hope people like will redefine rock or other styles, because when I think about it, my when I listen to rock, mm-hmm. their bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah, like, yeah. Radiohead, they're already had like their new songs are amazing. But yeah. how long, you know, yeah. how long can they still be here? Like Pearl Jam. I'm like, Jesus, I really hope like someone younger will be as amazing as them because I'm scared that I don't find that right now. Like, Yeah, I mean, I find I've, I've interviewed some indie rockers, you know, like Sex with Roller Coasters and some other mm-hmm. bands I've, I've interviewed. And there are bands that are inspired by Pearl Jam and Nirvana and, yeah. and Led Zepp and stuff. They, they, they want to be there. It's just that the, the industry isn't pushing them. They, not that they I know, don't right? Exist. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bands exactly. that they exist, but they're... But, the, you know, the age of the DJ and the age of the hip-hop yeah, producer yeah. is it's overshadowing true. them. Though it's true. It's true. I think in different venues, like this venue here, you know, I, for yeah. the artists I've interviewed, most of them are like, you know, are indie musicians that play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are pushing that in the podcast world, you know, in the SoundCloud world, in the YouTube yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. They're being pushed, but it's just on the, on the general, you know, platform that most people listen to, like radio stations and you know, when you go into a store to physically yeah. buy a record, that's where the gate is still being kept. Um, and indie musicians are not being pushed as much. And MTV is not doing what they did when I grew up. I know, you know right? You have bands like REM, you know, being pushed on MTV. You had Duran yeah. Band, which would have never came out, and out anywhere yeah. if, if MTV didn't exist. And, you know, it created you know a place for New Order, a place for New Duran Duran, a place yeah. for 
Depeche Mode. You know, mm-hmm. and we need we need you know probably another channel like that to. I know we have YouTube, but I think people need to see. Yeah, I agree. So they can feel, you know, but um. It's true. It's about visibility and what the industry is pushing. That's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, there certainly are, you know, but. Yeah, you just gotta get yourself onto a festival and get in front of the kids, you know. <laughs> you can get your management to get you into one of the like, coach, you know, Coachella. You can get to yeah. one of these big, big events. Um, you know, then, then, then the kids can mm. see them, uh, see the bands. But yeah, I think I think yeah. the kids eventually want. It's like what happened when I was a kid. You know, disco was real big, but they, but the same producers kept on doing the same sound, and it yeah. kind of went away because it got. It was like too much. It was like the same thing yeah, over yeah. and over. I think what happens with like trance and and um in, in some of the EDM, it ends up having the same group of producers doing the same thing, and eventually yeah. kids get bored with it. And then I think yeah. the, like the punk bands or the indie bands will kind of push through because people mm-hmm. want as they mature, they want to hear. I think people want to hear songs. They kind of yeah, tell something yeah. about their life, and that's what's cool about your songs, like singer songwriters, that you tell stories. Yeah, and then people yeah. feel something in your song that they can relate to, and mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's where that's always going to exist. There's always going to be people who want to hear that. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so, um, are you going to be doing like any um touring? So I'm not um, developed enough for that, but uh, certainly my team is gonna plan something as long as soon as my EP is out. But I think we're mostly producing and creating right now in order to have a bigger portfolio. But um, uh, for the song that I made with Maxi Trusso, so he told me if he comes to Paris, we will present it. So that will be the show that I know uh, that can't happen, but then... So you do a show in Paris, you do a physical show there? If he comes, yeah, uh, we will present the song where I featured, uh, but not personal songs for now, uh, shows for now. Are you working on any uh, music videos to to put things on YouTube as videos? Music videos, we're clipping, yes, for the new songs. Mm, We're clipping a lot right now. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, because that's another way to get out there. Because I mean, if you can get a big YouTube hit, <clears throat> then you yeah. can actually get booked. But yeah, then you have to true. be prepared to get booked. <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, that's true. But, I uh, mean, singing, I don't have any problem. It's just uh, as I'm not a professional guitarist, that will be like finding a one. But well, maybe singing, yeah, I don't have any you, problem. You get, a, you get a second guitarist, and then you can be there. Yeah, and then you have some confidence that they're. You know, you get that other person to be like, a, you know, on stage with you. Yeah, it's true. The stage version of the band, you know, that um, that's always um, it's always cool to actually see how your songs uh, get interpreted when you play them live. I yeah. always like that. Yeah. I, I go to New York and Boston because I'm in the East Coast, um, by the U.S. Okay. And uh, yeah, New York is always really cool because the clubs in New York still like to hear new music. Yeah. Okay. So you I mean you don't you might go into a club with only three four hundred people, but it's okay. still a New York crowd of three hundred or four hundred people <laughs> is, is pretty cool. Because yeah, of course. There's a lot of people who are like music lovers, they're yeah. journalists and bloggers, so you get a lot of good feedback. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, New York is a great place to play. I mean, Los Angeles is a good place to play uh, in the okay. U.S. But I mean, New York is always cool. You know, we played like CBGBs <laughs> where the Talking Heads played. You know. That, okay. Yeah, that's a really great club. That's one of the premier premier clubs in the U.S. Um, the Whiskey A Go Go in L.A. That's that's a big one. But um. Okay. 
Yeah, so we, we'd love to I see you play. Info. We'd love to see you play like the Whiskey A Go Go or CBGBs. <laughs> Amazing! That, that'd be cool. <laughs> I will try. I will try <laughs> one day. Yeah, so we really love having Cora having you on the show. And uh, if you have uh, more music coming out, we've uh, had bands come on three, four times to um, talk about their releases. I've had talked to a couple bands. That I've talked about at least two of their albums. Okay. Well, we actually do shows where we can go through every song on an album. So oh, amazing. You, so if you've got any new material coming out for 2020, let us know. And we can have like an album release show where we'll talk about um, the, the material. Amazing. There is a lot of material coming up, so I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will cool. let you know when it's out there. Yeah, because we're already starting to book for like December, January, February, so... Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we, Amazing. we always like to book ahead. So if you know when you're going to come out, let us know and we can get it on the schedule. As soon as I know, I, I let you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And um, yeah, as they come out, it will come out in the next couple hours and you'll get the links will start migrating through the net. And uh, yeah, we'll put, we also like attach your hyperlinks. So we'll attach your Twitter, your Instagram, and your Facebook. Your, okay. Your Spotify to the actual episode. Amazing. Everything is. Uh, all my links are in YouTube. Otherwise, I can send it to you. Or yeah, yeah. If you have your own web page or something, send me that, and then I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can link that too. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, and everybody, go listen to Cora on Spotify, and everywhere <laughs> else you listen to, and um, you know, download and uh, you know, tell your friends. She's a really awesome singer songwriter and you should support <laughs> Thank you. indie music because musicians need to be supported. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you a lot for inviting me. Have a great Sunday. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.